you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Before we get started on today's podcast, I want to tell you about a great new podcast called Outside the Box. If you're a maker, an innovator, or even just a consumer who wants to peek behind the curtain of some of the world's greatest organizations, you'll love it. Latest episode, which is available right now, features former NFL commissioner Paul Tagliabue talking about the massive innovations both on and off the field that helped football become America's most popular sport. He also talks about how the opportunities and challenges the league faced are similar to those faced by businesses of all types. Listen along on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by the Ford F-Series. DJ Bucky here inside the Beastquake room. And, Buck, man, we got a uh, we got a lot of ground to cover on today's pod. Oh, we have a lot of ground. We talk about the Monday Night Football recap. We're going to talk to our friend, Red Lewis, about some of the things he has going on. And we'll also talk about the hottest young quarterback in the game, Carson Wentz, and would he be a number one overall pick all oh, over again. Oh, we have so many college topics to get to today too so i'm looking forward to it but before we get to the nfl and college let's welcome in our good buddy here rhett lewis he we are with him every sunday nfl game day live and we will be with him in the spring as we were last year once path to the draft kicks off and we really start digging in to these draft prospects rhett what's going on man what's up What's up, fellas? Thankful, so thankful this time of year for the Move the Sticks podcast. Oh, that's what that's you what know? you go around the table. Yeah. <laughs> new baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Beautiful wife, new baby. No, 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 and no, no, no. no just, just I'm thankful for the Move the Sticks I'm pod. Mostly thankful for the Sunday takeaway pod. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. your that's your yeah, favorite. That's that's my deal. That's the one. Well, look, we're we're uh, we're pumped to have you on here. We're going to get plenty of time yeah. to chat about players with you going forward as we get to the spring. Yeah. Uh, shoot, we do cover the pro days. We do everything on NFL Network, but. I want to have you on today because found out last week something yeah. you've been working on for quite some time. Uh, we're going to get actually a chance to see this coming Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Friday, indeed. 8 p.m. Eastern time right here on NFL Network. It's a special um, that 
as you mentioned, have been working on for uh, close to two years now. And it's finally come to fruition. It's called National Football Families. And uh, it's a it's a great piece, especially this time of year, um, to appreciate the things that we all love about family. And you find them throughout the NFL landscape. Uh, compassion, support, investment, both financial and emotional, um, and community, and 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 it's a re- really uniquely done, and I'm I'm super excited for you guys uh, to see it because it's been uh, it's been a long time in the make. What prompted you to kind of delve into this kind of project? Well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny, and this is this may come as a big surprise to you guys, but. <clears throat> I've only been in one fight in my life. <laughs> really? Just I've been in one too, but oh, go ahead. Okay. Give me your story first. Uh, it was October 8th, 1989. Whoa, you have the date. I was in first grade. It was the Monday after another Sunday Saints loss. Um, I grew up in New Orleans. My dad was a head trainer for the Saints for 31 years, and he had just returned from another disappointing trip to Candlestick Park where uh, the Saints had led the 49ers uh, all game until late in the fourth quarter when – Joe Montana threw a touchdown pass to John Taylor that completed the comeback victory. So I went to school that day and was almost, that Monday, almost immediately confronted by a second grader. Oh, the big second grader. Who Punk. told me, you know, <laughs> just how much the Saints stunk, uh, how stupid I was for thinking they would win, and how uh, how much my dad was, too, for working for him. Ooh. And I was like, he went to the mm, family on you. He did, you know, and I was like, you know what, that that's not cool, man. Yeah. And and for whatever reason, you know, that day, I just you know, wasn't going to take it. Yeah. And, uh, you socked him. I, I, you opti- socked him. Optimistically, I think we're going to score the fight as a draw. Oh, um, that means you lost. But it was a rare Monday <laughs> victory uh, for the Saints. So, like, you know, like thinking back on all of these memories and experiences I had, you know, like in the Saints locker room and later with the Redskins and the Lions when my dad was there, um, you know, just the national football families are just a little bit different. And uh, my experience is just one small part of this whole thing. There are great instances of hilarity uh, it, that also go with the heartbreak. I mean, you want to talk about Vince Wilfork, you know, barbecuing to, to Lil Troy's want to be a baller or, or Tom Brady <laughs> jumping out of the, the leaves to scare his kids as a turkey. Um, you know, like th- there are things off the field that we don't get a chance to see. And that is what you're going to see on Friday night. Can you give us – are you allowed to give us a little tease on I some of the s- stories we're jumping I, into I, here? I can, I can give you a little tease. So um, Alex Smith. Um, you know him this year because of the Chiefs' uh, you know hot start to the season, of course, and, and the way he's this played. Thing a month ago, Rhett. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's been it's been a, it's been a tough month for the, for the Chiefs, but that's not what we're talking, not talking yeah, about. I know. On the I'm field. just busting your chops. This is I'm the second grader. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, you are. Um, but uh, Alex Smith has a, a terrific investment in the youth uh, of Kansas City, just as he did when he was in the Bay Area with the 49ers and uh, across California. Um, and it, it's not just financial, and he, um, he he does a great job supporting kids who want to further their education. Um, so that's something you're going to see. You're going to see an, an instance of Houston Strong in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. Fozzie Whitaker um, uh, grew up in the Houston area, went back and, and provided some um, extreme relief to a team that was on the verge, a football team that was on the verge of canceling their season. Um, you're going to hear a, a, a side to Jerry Jones, a side of Jerry Jones, a Cowboys owner, that I am quite certain you've never heard before. Whoa. Um, and I'm going to leave that right there for you. That is a cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, and, and finally, one of my favorites, it's a, it's a, it's a smaller uh, side to, the, to this, ep, uh, this, this special, but it's a family in New Orleans who um, 
close family friends of ours. My dad worked with him uh, in New Orleans, worked with the family. Uh, the PA announcer in the Superdome um, is the son of the longtime PA announcer in the Superdome. It is a family affair, and um, it's it's a really, really neat uh, story or neat experience. And um, they are, uh, you know, the saints of the heartbeat of that community, and they are the voice of the saints in the Superdome. It's super cool. Oh, that is very cool. Yeah. Can I give you one uh, for a future episode? Yes football family there's a uh, podcast host former nfl player uh actually played on both sides of the ball i don't know if you knew that Ooh. but um he's his father kind of a legendary high school football coach <laughs> sitting no, right next I to you think, let's get the let's get national right. football family no, the bucky brooks edition well and, and you know what you know what and, and the last thing i'll i'll say about the the people we've and the families we've chosen here is you know, in this league, and Bucket, I know you can attest to this, you know, having played, families in the NFL don't have to be bound by blood. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there are extended families, whether it's your teammates in the locker room or whether it's, you know, it's your relationship with employees and staff in the building. Um, and, and so we, we kind of explore all the aspects of the family. But you are welcome, my friend, no, I think uh, it, to be I think a part. I think it's so cool that you have so – much access to so many different guys and you can tell so many different stories. I think that is a thing that is really fascinating about the game that you talk about, particularly around the holidays. Like football is embedded in the fabric of what has become like our holiday seasons. And so I'm, and I'm excited Friday well, thank, night. Thank you. And, 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 you know, we've talked about our, you know, our endeavors, you know, outside of, of what we do here um, and, and, you know, wanting to, wanting to get you know the message that we have inside out there and I, I wouldn't have been able to do this because you know like I'm, I'm a tv guy but I don't know you know necessarily what goes into the tech technicality of all of it um good friend of mine who I've been friends with since kindergarten has a very expensive background in film and television oh. um <laughs> went to Fordham undergrad uh went to USC film school and so I brought the idea to him and he really helped formulate it into a pitch and uh, the good folks at DLP Media Group, who you guys probably nice. know from yeah. the Elite Eleven documentary uh, that you've seen on NFL Network here, um, helped uh, helped really capture what we were looking for. So that's awesome. So yeah. again, give me the the time. Time is Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's you know after you've done all your shopping, get on out there, flip on NFL Network, and uh, and just sit back. It's it's the it's the kind of show I'd like to call like you need a bigger couch show because Whoa, it's bring the family it's, in? it's what the family wants to watch get grandma and grandpa in bring mom in bring sister brother and and just sit down and get your popcorn ready i love it looking forward to that yeah. national football family is it family or families, families. we'll go plural we'll on. go plural yeah. on that yeah. national football families friday night don't make any plans plop your butt right down there on the couch and watch this really cool show that our buddy Rhett has put together here Rhett, thanks again for stopping by buddy you got it man all right, Buck. Well, it's always good to have our buddy uh, Rhett. We were with him each and every Sunday NFL game day live. Pretty cool project he's got going there. I mean, that's fascinating. I think everyone has um, goals and ambitions, things that they want to accomplish outside of these walls. And for him to kind of take on that endeavor, I'm excited to see what it looks like. So Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, I will definitely be checking out NFL Network to see what those stories are like. All right, real quick, Monday Night Football recap. Uh, biggest takeaway from the game last night? Uh, I believe the Atlanta Falcons are beginning to find their groove and their rhythm on offense under Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I had a conversation with uh, an NFL coach yesterday, and he was talking like, you know, it takes about half the season to really figure out your personnel. And so he uh, Sarkeesian got a lot of criticism and heat early in the year for this offense not playing like they played a season ago. But the guy said, Buck, you have to understand, he doesn't know his players. Seeing guys 
in practice so different than watching them make plays in the game. It takes a while to really understand what your personnel can do. And I think what we're beginning to see, the Atlanta Falcons now have a better grasp of what their guys can do because Steve Sarkeesian has been more comfortable around those guys. He's seen them under fire. Yeah, it looks like Russell Wilson out there is a solo mission too, man. Oh, all by himself. Give this dude some help. Um, yeah, they they have a little – I want to say they have a rebuild there in Seattle, but, man, they – Got some work to do in the off season here. Oh, Let's they got a lot. I mean, they have a lot of work was. to do. I think the big thing that we're seeing is um, it's kind of the end of the LOB, end of the Legion of Boom. When you have so many players in the back end that are 30 or a little over 30, you know those guys can't play forever, and you're beginning to see the injuries come. They're not necessarily the same. So how will Seattle transition into a new version of the Legion of Boom when those guys depart? They've invested some draft picks in – the positions, but can they get those guys to kind of connect like the LOB has done for years? We'll see because that has really been the backbone of their defense. And if you start to lose those pieces, does this defense kind of fall back to the middle of the pack? Yeah, something to definitely monitor as they go to the offseason. A little work cut out there for the Seattle Seahawks. All right, next topic here, Buck, before we get to the offensive line of the week and jump into some college. I was just talk, talking with a buddy uh, this morning, and he brought this up. And so I thought I'd pose it, pose this to you, and we'll jump in deeper on this topic. I think we're going to do something on the video show Wednesday, which you'll also be able to listen to that on audio form as well. But he brought up the question, if if all 32 rosters were emptied out, okay, everybody is free, it's a free agent, everybody's out there right now, so you're going to just kind of draft anybody that you want from now going forward. So everybody in the league is available. It's cut and dry. You have the first pick. They they randomly pick which uh, which teams get to go first. You get first. Every player in the league is available. He brought the question to me and said, "Would with his age and how he's playing and everything that goes into it, he said, would Carson Wentz be the first pick?" Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm I just mean, posing the question. I mean, it's a it's a it's I mean, a it's an interesting topic. It's a very interesting topic because if you're talking about the future and you're thinking about franchise quarterback for the next ten to fifteen years. He certainly checks off a lot of the boxes that you want from size, athleticism, arm talent, uh, mental makeup, the intangible qualities, leadership. I mean, he kind of has it all. And we knew that in the draft, but I think he's put it on full display. So I don't think you would be crazy for taking him number one. I just still think I would hang on to Tom Brady, see if I could squeeze out. <laughs> he's 40. Another, another five more years. But he's on Do that. You get five more? Five more. I think give me five more, then we can transition. <laughs> I mean, the, the guys are – He's 40. Look, you're talking about two, the two – He's playing great. For the MVP award, Carson oh, yeah. Wentz and Tom Brady. Brady's had arguably think, one of the best years he's ever had. Gosh, man. It's unbelievable. I, man, it's just hard to – It's hard to put but he that, is 40. It's hard to put that car in the garage. I mean, the car has been good to me. The car has been real good. Yeah. It's been real good. He he, he doesn't show signs of falling off What is somehow. that? Is that the, that's crazy. To, that we, I mean, and I see what you're coming from, but it's just crazy to think about it. You have anybody in the league to build your franchise around, you go with a guy that's 40 years old. <laughs> It's not – and it's not dumb. It's unbelievable. That is unbelievable to think about Tom Brady. And look, if Aaron Rodgers hadn't had some injuries, I think that's – he'd still be – he'd be the guy. Oh, I mean – He's I still think, got plenty of I mean, time left. He's got plenty, plenty of good football man, left. Plenty of juice. Good gosh. It's an interesting topic. I definitely think Carson Wentz is a top five guy. Oh, he's he's certainly he's certainly in the top five. I, I mean – Because you're going go you to go quarterbacks. It is what it is. It's the most important you position. To, you have to. You have to have a quarterback. I mean – because the quarterback, what we're seeing in the league today, we're seeing how much a quarterback can mask all the issues that you may have. You talk about Aaron Rodgers and what he's been able to do. Sure. Looking at the Green Bay Looking Packers without there. Aaron Rodgers, you now see some of their personnel shortcomings. And so 
yeah, the best way to kind of give yourself a wider margin for error in the team building process, make sure you get an A-plus quarterback. They make everybody better. So here's the question that actually Chris brought this up. Uh, interesting was who would be the first defensive player picked? Uh, I think I would go Von Miller. Okay. And I think the reason I'm going with Von Miller, I just I just know that he can terrorize opponents. And even though he's a left defensive end, obviously he can play on the right. But his ability to create havoc and chaos off the edges, um, he disrupts. And I think you have to build your defense thinking about stopping the pass. And so I'm going to go pass rusher first, and I will go corner after that. So you would say Vaughn Miller, because it's the interesting names here, and mm-hmm. I'm just springing this on you, so I'm going to throw out some other ones just, just to put them in your mind here to see if you stay the same. Joey Bosa, who's going to be a better player against the run than Vaughn Miller, and he's he's Joey Bosa's got 10.5 sacks right now. He does. Joey Bosa's going to be a 15-sack guy every year, and he's better against the run. Yeah, and he's younger. He is younger. Just saying. That's an interesting I mean, it's a nice, one. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. What period. about Clowney? Oh, I like Clowney too. <laughs> I mean, I, I like him all, but only one. Only I one. Know, can come off the board I know. That's He got Vaughn. And then Nick, next, you gonna throw Aaron Donald? You can say, oh, what about Aaron, Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald is right, the next I, one. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just thinking, Khalil Mack. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of options. By the way, it'll be interesting to see. Khalil Mack has been. He's been phenomenal throughout his career. Uh, it's He's just unfortunate. It's just unfortunate, right? Now. He doesn't. He doesn't have any playmakers beside him. He doesn't have anybody on the second level that can help him. He is a one-man defense, and you just can't win with just one guy doing everything. Khalil Mack's got five and a half sacks right now, so Clowney's got eight. Just a, just one. Clowney has eight sacks this year. He's got eight sacks. That's been you know he, he was an All Pro last year and he didn't have a ton of sacks. Just he's he's a dominating presence. Oh, he's, he's unbelievable. And well, I'll I, tell you what, the other one that we're not talking about, who's – you get Miles Garrett for a full 16, he's going to enter into that discussion pretty quick. Oh, I think I think so. You know, I I think if he actually played on a team they, – they played in a bunch of competitive games, but I would love to see what he would do if he had the opportunity to play from ahead, to play with the lead where he knows it's obvious past the situation hunt. and he gets to hunt. Yeah, we don't get a chance to really see that. Well, it's a fun, it's a fun topic, though. Yeah. I mean, that's – and that's 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 an interesting one. That's almost one for the polls. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, we could send that out to the folks a little, on Twitter. Little poll. Like All right, uh, offensive line of the week presented by our good friends at Ford. Uh, this is Sean O'Hara's baby. Now you go to NFL.com. You can find this each and every week where he lays out the offensive line of the week. I think he puts down those top five candidates. We only have to pick one here, though, Buck. I'll give you a nomination. I'll give you veto power, and you can come up with a different one if you'd like. I, I just said the Eagles with just the way they kind of manhandled the Dallas Cowboys up front. Randy ran for over 200 yards. I thought they were pretty dominant in that game, but I'll be willing uh, to listen to any suggestions you might have on the topic. I think the Eagles certainly should be in the conversation. I think the Minnesota Vikings also. I think they kind of bullied and flexed their muscles on the L.A. Rams. I want to say they had 170-plus rushing yards. Uh, Latavius Mary, Jake McKinnon, both of those guys – having solid games. Uh, can't go wrong with the Eagles because they did beat the Dallas Cowboys up, particularly in the second half. All right. That's uh, that's our choice there for the Ford, I think built Ford Tough offensive line of the week. The uh, good folks at Ford do this uh, project with O'Hara. So, anyways, wanted to get that out there. Before we get into college here, real quick, the 2018 Pro Bowl vote is here. It's time to vote for your favorite players the game this year is going to be in Orlando. Who do you want to see there? Help your favorite players earn a coveted spot on the Pro Bowl roster. Who will you pick? Go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl 
vote. Kind of harder to say that than uh, I'd imagine <laughs> there. Let's jump into college here, Buck, and uh, a couple things I want to hit on. First of all, I had a chance to go out to uh, to the USC-UCLA game. Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen get a chance to see that in person. I think the general takeaway, I wrote about it, uh, but I think I'll see where you are on this. The general takeaway was, look, on that field that day, USC won the war, but Josh Rosen won the quarterback battle. I agree with you. I think this is a great – opportunity for Josh Rosen to kind of show himself well in front of a bunch of scouts. So much of the conversation in college football had been all about Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold being the best quarterback in college football, Sam Darnold being potentially the number one pick in the 2018 draft. I think what we had a chance to see is the competitiveness that Josh Rosen has within him. Because anytime you stand on the sideline, you look across the field, and you're able to see the guy that everyone says is the dude, you have an opportunity to show the football world no, 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 not so fast. Don't give him the crown. I may have a seat at the table. And I think Josh Rosen showed that he definitely deserves to be in that conversation. I love the poise. I love the precision. I love how he plays the game from the pocket. And so in looking at the position and the way the position has been played for the last 30 years, Josh Rosen looks like the prototypical franchise quarterback that has played in our league the way that he spends it. It will be interesting as we continue to go down this road, if those two guys elect to come out, how you do the compare and contrast. Because I'm confident that both guys are not only franchise quarterbacks, both guys could be stars in the league. It's really a matter of what do you like. On Twitter, I kind of made a comparison. This is like a basketball comparison where Josh Rosen is a shooter and Sam Donald is a scorer. Mm-hmm. The scorer may not be as refined or polished, but he finds a way to put the ball in the hole. That is what Sam Donald does. He finds a way to lead his offense down the field. He makes the plays that are there to be made. He can improvise, and he finds a way to have success. Josh Rosen is a guy, you give him a clean pocket, he can slice you apart. But the margin of error is a little tighter for him because he has to have the right stuff around him to be successful because he can't create on his own. That's a beautiful way of putting it. I, I agree with you completely. And being there in the stadium and watching him throw, Rosen had some beautiful deep balls, man. Just put the ball up. It's got He's got great rotation, great spin on the football. He can drive it. He he made some plays under heavy duress, no question. Just as a – I mean, we come back to that same word. He's a pure passer. I mean, everything is beautiful. Footwork's good. The issue with him, and a little bit in this too, is just being able to get away from things. He's not going to be able to get himself out of trouble – when you have a breakdown up front. He's going to be tough and hang in there and deliver the football, but he just doesn't bring a lot of playmaking ability to the table. And the the uh, the negatives were you had two, I believe they were both red zone turnovers, right? You had a pick in the end zone, yep. and they were driving deep in USC territory. He has a sack fumble uh, in that game as well. Both quarterbacks turned the ball over twice with the interception and a uh, – Actually, Darnold did not get credit with the fumble, but the bonehead play at the end of the first half to not get points and take Understand off and it. run. It you, basically would cost yourself points. Now, I'm going to say this, and it is, it, you have to kind of follow me. This reminds me of the 2004 draft and Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. And if I had to assign guys to each, I would say Rosen is more like an Eli Manning, minus the personality part. Yeah. But in terms of pure pocket passer, looks the part, does those things. Donald reminds me a little of like Philip Rivers. Not conventional. Unconventional. Say what you want to about Philip Rivers. Like, man, sometimes he's like, eh. it doesn't always look pretty, but he finds a way to be effective. I think it's going to take us back to 2004 and the base that you may have between them. I just think it would be flipped where Donald will be valued or coveted 
more highly than than Rosen. Josh Rosen. Yeah, and the yeah. interesting thing, a lot of people have said, okay, it's a done deal. It's Rosen over Darnold. They were on the same field. Rosen outplayed him. That's in the books. Look, I I did my article that the week before the game. I reached out to five guys. All five of them said they would take Rosen or would take Darnold over Rosen. And I don't anticipate that really changing based off of this one football game. No, I don't. Th- I don't think it changes. I think the reason why it doesn't change is because I think there's a comfort factor in Sam Darnold. I think when you're doing this, because it's really a people business. You really buy into Sam Darnold's personality. You trust that Sam Darnold's going to squeeze every little bit of potential and production out of his body and what he has. Whereas with Rosen, I think there's a little uncertainty based on, I guess, the mystery, the mystery of his personality. Is he um, distracted by life? Will, how much does he love it, I think, is the thing that we commonly hear. And so a lot of this in terms of if Rosen – is able to surpass or jump over top of Darnold if both of these guys come out will really be determined on how he interviews and what the feel is from him, the sense that people get from him when they sit across from him and they try and figure out how much is he going to be willing to put in to the game and how much will he get get back from it. The interesting thing to me, the people that say it's over, Rosen won that battle, and he's he's the he should be the top pick, and he's the guy. The, here's my theory on that a little bit. I don't know how many people have watched UCLA this year. USC even USC is USC, so even when mm-hmm. they're going high or low, and this year they're a ten win team, they're a top ten type team. So people pay attention and watch them every single week. Anybody watch? UCLA against Memphis. Did anybody watch UCLA against Arizona? Did anybody watch UCLA against Arizona State? I don't know how many people watch UCLA play. And they saw him in this game. So, oh, my gosh, looks amazing. No doubt he had a great day. That was the best I thought that I've seen of Josh, though, this year. It was the best. And I I, I think he had some moments, obviously, the Texas A&M game kind of put him back on the map, kind of reminded us why they call him the chosen one. Coming into this game, I he, think that's the only games they saw. I think people watched the A and M game and watched the SC game. I did, and coming into this game, I kind of wrote uh, in our notebook a little bit about the preview. Rosen had four straight games where he'd been sub sixty percent completion rate, and he had four games where he had eight total interceptions. And so I was looking to see if he could break out of the slump in a marquee game, and he was able to do that. I think the big thing. They only have one game remaining. Um, they have a game at Cal that could give them the opportunity to play in a bowl game. How does he cap it off? What does he do for an encore? Coming off of this game, I now I'm looking at his performance against Cal even closer because your coach has been fired. How do you follow up your performance at SC? Do you send it in uh, in splendid fashion, or do you just kind of mail it in and just kind of cruise into maybe the 2018 draft? Like his last five games, I think Josh had seven touchdowns and five picks. Yeah, I mean, like it, it had been problematic. He wasn't playing well up into the SC game. I think I give him credit for the SC game because it was a big game. It was a big stage. Outstanding. You wanted to see what he did against maybe one, arguably the number one field general in the country, but he stood up, and I think that is to his credit. I think as we continue to get on it, to me, I still believe it's the big two – than everybody else when it comes to the quarterback class. But there are some that disagree because there's really a large faction of folk that are fascinated with Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Josh Allen. The thing with with Allen that's uh, that's interesting is I was talking to a personnel executive who was at the game. Uh, I ran into him, and uh, 
This is during warm-ups. I said, oh, what'd you think? He goes, well, I went down there and body typed him, you know. So really, Rosen and Darnold, like Rosen's a narrow guy, and, and Darnold's kind of like frumpy a little bit. Like he's got kind of a, a interesting build. He's all, if you're just, and he's all, they both threw it fine. They both threw it well. He's all, I mean, Rosen has a pure motion. He's, he's, a, he's a pretty passer. But if you want to talk about what you want him to look like, the guy up in Wyoming, that's how you draw him up, what you want him I to think, look like. That's man, that's just on the hoof. He's not I know, talking about as a think, player, no, but people but I are think, infatuated with him. I, I, think, I think it's fascinating. And I, I think people are willing to overlook, like, yeah, but he's not throwing to anybody. He's this, he's that. I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I get that. But I'm having a hard time. Moving every time I've seen him play in a big game, he's underwhelmed. And at some point, we have to get down to where we're looking at them play and how they play. And so he is an intriguing talent, but I would have a hard time considering Josh Allen over those two guys and even some of the other quarterbacks that are available. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. We'll see which these guys could all go back to school. I think Josh Allen's gonna come out. I think we'll see him hopefully in the Senior Bowl. I think there's a good chance that happens. That'll be a big opportunity for him. Um, I would guess, look, there's no information here, especially with a new coach. I'd be shocked if Rosen did not come out. Uh, yeah, and if it's the coach that people are speculating going to UCLA. He doesn't fit Chip any, Kelly. Yeah, I don't think there's any way that he stays. And to be honest, I think I – mean, obviously I can't push the guy out. I think he's, he's shown enough to – intrigue the people that were going to be intrigued by him anyway. Josh Rosen, I'll say this. I'll go on record right now. If he comes out, we're not allowed to say where these guys could get picked. But um, let me see here. Trying to think of it. Um, you remember the circuits? The What was the name of that? Uh, what was the name of the movie in the 90s? Uh, Short Circuit. <laughs> remember the guy, the robot's name? Johnny Five? <laughs> Johnny Five? Uh-huh. Yeah, he doesn't get past Johnny Five. Nah, I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, Johnny Five is a good number there. I think there's a hundred percent chance. Yeah, I, I absolutely he's agree. Up there. I absolutely agree that he he's he's going to be up there. I think the guy that we're about to talk about. I mean, let's let's talk about it. Baker Mayfield is the one. All right, that's the next one on the list that kind of intrigues me because of the suspension and all the stuff. And I feel like there's this this buzz, this current, this. People are pushing him up. He's he's in the first-round conversation. He's in a discussion. He is the likely Heisman Trophy winner. Um, and you love all the competitive stuff and all the things that he brings to the table. Feisty, uh, competes to the end, has had big performances and big games. But then it's the other stuff. And he's going to be suspended this week for his obscene gesture and mouthing some nasty words to the Kansas people. What do you think about him? What what do we make of Baker Mayfield? Here's the funny thing is I think it's interesting when people make absolute statements on Twitter. I've seen this on Twitter, I don't know, media or wherever. I've seen these tweets pop up in my timeline. And they say, oh, it's just the people that compare Baker Mayfield to Johnny Manziel, they're just – that's lazy. That's just like comparing any white receiver to any other white receiver. Mm-hmm. It's just lazy. And I'm sitting here going – you've never been in a draft room <laughs> because you're darn right that's the comparison that's going to get made. It's going to be two. This is what I this is what I would say. If I was Baker Mayfield's agent, this is what I would tell him right now. It, there's 32 teams. The teams that love you are going to compare you to Russell Wilson. The teams that hate you are going to compare you to Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. Every decision you make on the football field as well as off of the field is going to is going to feel is going to feed one of these two comparisons. 
So be cognizant of that when you're making these decisions. I'm not saying, look, Johnny Manziel has substance abuse and all that. that, that I get it. Baker doesn't have that in his background. But he does have an arrest where he's running from the police. He's got on-field gestures, just, just silly, stupid stuff. It comes down to maturity. And people say, oh, this, that's ridiculous. It's a, can he play or can he? No, no, no. That position in the NFL, when you're in the draft room, a player's maturity is 100% an important factor. Yeah, and I, and, and I said this. I, I, I think the big thing with Baker Mayfield, the same objections that we may have with Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, some of their immature-ish acts on the field, you could lump Baker Mayfield into that. It's a look unbecoming of the CEO of the team. And when you're the quarterback – you have to act differently than the other 21 people on the field. There's a different standard of behavior that people expect and demand of you. And so for Baker Mayfield, the next three or four months are going to be critical for him to convince executives and ownership that he can be the face of a franchise, that he has the maturity to handle all of the things that go along with being the QB1. And to me, he's going to be right at six feet is my guess. So you've got the size thing, you've got a battle. Now – Look, you've got Russell Wilson and Drew Brees have overcome that in spectacular fashion. Russell Wilson and Drew Brees, extremely mature, intelligent. Both guys are are preparation junkies. Both guys are steady, reliable personnel. Like all this stuff. If if you are lacking in the physical component, you have to hit. The intangibles. You have to to be through the roof. You've got to be through the roof. Through the roof. And you're absolutely right about that. The the shorter, the the fewer checks that you're able to make from a physical standpoint. Your character has to exceed the standard. And right now we can't say that Baker Mayfield's character, football character, exceeds that. It will be interesting to see how scouts feel about those incidents because normally you can say, oh, these are isolated incidents. But when you've had three incidents, and I'm not trying to make these bigger than what they are, but yeah. when you have three incidents that kind of happen in the same year, it just leads to a, a thinking like, man, this is a pattern. Are we going to be able to help him get out of this pattern, and can he be the mature guy that we want him to be? And trust me, don't don't mistake what we're saying here. We're not saying whether or not he's going to be successful in the NFL. We're talking about the evaluation process and it affecting him in terms of how high he's going to go in the draft. That, to me, is, is what I'm talking about here. It's Like it or not, th- it matters. Oh, it does matter because this is uh, basically like a – a pageant. <laughs> I you got to win the interview. You got to win. Every, you got to win all the different. He has to things. win all things. He's done a great job on the field in terms of playing the game and showing the things that he needed to see. But when you have these things, it does kind of bring you back to the Johnny Menzel slash Russell Wilson comparison that he'll have to face, even the Drew Brees comparison. Um, the one thing I will say about comparing him to Johnny Menzel. He's a better thrower. He's a better thrower than Manziel, but Manziel was a more explosive athlete. Yeah. And that athleticism that Manziel displayed was nothing in the National Football League. Yep, so for Baker up. Mayfield, it would be interesting if he plays in the senior bowl, he plays an all-star game, does all this stuff where we can really see him throw against the real dudes outside of that Oklahoma offense. I think it's kind of a souped-up Case Keenum, too. Case Keenum's been successful. I think that, but, but I, and I think that comparison is good. It's one of those that we kind of have to be quiet with. Um if we say Baker Mayfield is Case Keenum, automatically you can get, oh, my God, you He's so not. much better. Yeah. Uh, is he? Well, Case because Keenum Case, playing well. Case Keenum killed it in college. Mm-hmm. Case Keenum was a record breaker in college. So we're not dissing Baker Mayfield. Coming into the year, I think I slotted Baker Mayfield in maybe that third round mm-hmm. range because I thought he was a guy that had a chance. 
to kind of develop into that. Like that's kind of really where Russell Wilson mm-hmm. went. So it will be interesting if when it's all said and done and we get the measurements and we see him at the combine, we do the interviews, if he's still viewed and valued as a, a top pick. Yeah, everybody that I uh, surveyed when I was at their game a couple weeks ago, all the personnel guys there I ran into – Second round seemed to be the most popular grade. And I think that's probably the, I think that's probably the safest grade. I think that's trying to put it in the fairway. And I told them, based off what I've seen this year, the way he's played, this is obviously – I don't think this this is going to affect it too drastically. Uh, it keeps it up, maybe it will. But based off the way he's played, look, that position and the importance of it, I think he'll – I think you get into one. And, you know, everybody has a two on a guy, he ends up going on the one. That's yeah, I mean, like, obviously because you don't want to get – you don't want to get caught without one. And also when it comes to the extra option year. You certainly would rather get that fifth year. You want to get that fifth year option on someone at the bottom of the first round. All right, a couple more things here. This running back class is so loaded. Uh, there are so many good running backs. In so many football. good. Ones. I got a chance to dig in and study Kerryon Johnson from Auburn, and he belongs up there in the discussion. Bucky, he is outstanding, man. He's got some shady McCoy to him. He's got some of the patience, man. the Lev Bell stuff. He, this dude can play. Man, big, fast, physical. Does a great job catching the ball out the backfield. A nice little one-handed catch. And one of the one-handed catch. And the thing that has been the biggest thing that we've seen, Auburn has expanded their offense where they're featuring these guys in the past game to catching the ball out of the backfield. And so when we're evaluating running backs, the thing that you have to have, it used to be, oh, that's an added benefit, but now it's a must-have. In today's game, your number one running back needs to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And if he can run routes and do other stuff, it only enhances his value to the team because now everyone wants – a three-down player, someone that never has to lead the field. I put some plays on uh, on Instagram. It's just it's move the sticks on Instagram. You can see some examples of his lateral quickness and his lateral burst. It's outstanding. I mean, he is really, really. He's a slippery runner. He he runs with a low pad level. He finishes runs. You talked about him catching the ball to the backfield. I was pleasantly surprised because I remember doing Auburn backs in previous years. Weren't asked to pass protect very much. You see him quite a bit in pass protection, and he holds up fine. Now, he's not a killer, but he gets in the way, and, and he's effective. So I think he's a complete back. He's listed at six foot, 212 pounds, so he's got he's got enough size. Now, he is, uh, again, I was having another discussion with somebody about this this earlier this morning. I know in Gurley and Zeke and these guys have, have been great, some of these top picks, but, man, it, it's just – you look around, we watch the Philadelphia Eagles play, and you see Corey Clement who wasn't even drafted <laughs> in what he's doing. You see what Kareem yep. Hunt was doing earlier this year. Talk about Lev, Bell, McCoy, all these guys outside the first round. And this year, this running back class is as deep as I can remember. There's going to be – oh, Kamara is another one from this last year. Man, it's almost like – I love Saquon Barkley. I love Geis. But, man, I could get a maybe a Ronald Jones in the second, third round. I can get one of one of these guys. Kerryon Johnson, where he's going to go. Man, there's 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 a lot of options. A lot of options, and if you're a team and an executive that knows exactly what you're looking for at the position, you certainly can go outside of the first round and find those guys. The sweet spot traditionally has been the second and third round to find those running backs that can have a lot of success at the right value. Le'Veon Bell, Shaden McCoy, uh, so many other guys, Frank Gore, all those guys went in that range. I wanna, I, I just want to see if it changes because we've seen the success that Zeke has had but then when you come back and you look at Leonard Fournette, you invested a high pick in Fournette, but he's been banged up all year. Yeah. So now when it comes to kind of the, the money equation and the value, have you gotten the bang for the buck out of Leonard Fournette that you wanted? That may lead some guys to be like, you know what, I'm going to stick to the premise. We're going to find our running backs outside of the first round. Yeah, it's interesting. This discussion will be taking place in draft rooms around the league. Real quick before we get out of here, 
Uh, this might be old news by the time this airs, but Chip Kelly, UCLA or Florida, what's the better job for him? For What's a better fit for him? Ooh, now, fit and job, two different things. I think for Chip Kelly, I would love to see Chip Kelly at Florida with those athletes running his offense. Yeah. I also believe it would be an easier road for him to get to the national title going through the SEC East than coming to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 coaches have seen Chip Kelly. Mm. Most of them have faced him. They kind of know that offense. A lot of them they have adopted it. it. Adopt, they know the tempo. In the SEC, we've seen versions and variations of spread, but none like Chip Kelly. And I would love to see a championship game with Chip Kelly on one sideline, Nick Saban on the other, and having Nick Saban have to deal with all of that that comes with it. And to think about the quarterbacks that he could get just from Florida – Wow. I mean, the guys that have come from there, you think about Francois, a Lamar Jackson type. There has to be another Lamar Jackson type somewhere in Florida. Can you imagine Lamar Jackson being at the helm of Chip Kelly's offense? Ridiculous. So I would love to see that, even though I think he's probably better suited to come to Cal and kind of kind of toil in anonymity in L.A. where people won't bother him. Yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see. It's a, it's a fascinating decision that he has to make, and I think we're going to see a lot more shakeup here in this college coach. You think? Ranks. Oh, boy. SEC, man. That turned that thing upside down. Nick Saban then fired everybody. He has gotten everybody fired. Kirby Smart has gotten everybody fired. Here's the thing, though. Where are the good coaches going to come from? I don't know. Because I think those guys were pretty good coaches. I think Brett Bilma thought was Dan, a pretty good Dan coach. Dan Mullen's going to get a, a shot at one of these gigs and make a whole lot. He's making good money at Mississippi State. He is, but 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 why leave Mississippi State when you got to jump into one of those things? Like, man, he can go 9-4 and four at Mississippi State. Stark. They may give they may give him a, a statue. You've never been to Stark Vegas. Come on, I played against them all those cowbells. You get used to it, right? Yeah. Uh, did you play at, at Mississippi State? Uh, no, we played them in we played them in the Georgia Dome. Oh, that was in loud. With those Bowl. things, yeah. Oh, woo! Still ringing. Yeah, that was I think was either my first start or my second start. I think it was my first start was at Mississippi State when I was in Northeast Louisiana. Oh, those, how those was cowbells? That? Oh man, how was that? I had Jeez. a solid day. I trust me. There's plenty of days where I had did not have a solid day. Solid. We didn't we didn't come out on top. But uh, <laughs> it's close enough, Buck. It was close enough. All right, let's get out of here. We covered a lot of ground. Thanks to our good buddy, Rhett Lewis, for stopping by. Be sure, again, to check out that show. Uh, National Football Families is going to be Friday evening on NFL Network. I want to say he said 8 Eastern. Was that correct? He did. said 8 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, be sure to check that out. And uh, you're not going to have to wait long for another uh, podcast. We're going to have another one coming your way tomorrow. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. And if we don't get a chance, if you, this is the last one you listen to before the holiday, wishing you and your family a very, very happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.